This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. This is Alana Willie for you with my program called Body Matters. And today I'm going to be chatting about what are the lies that keep us from God. Now, there's so many things the enemy wants to come and just kill, steal and destroy. And he, want to keep, he wants to keep us so ignorant of what God has for us and keep us from walking in our God-given purpose and fulfilling that which God has for us. I just want to start off by reading John 10.10 10 that says that the enemy comes to kill and steal and destroy but I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. And to me, that's such a beautiful scripture because God talks about life in abundance. And it's not just life in in heaven one day, but it's life on earth. He wants to give us a, a life full of joy and peace and um, contentment. So let's look at what is the enemy's scheme or plan to keep us from God's presence because the enemy is so busy trying to keep us from, as I said, walking in our God-given purpose. So, you know, from the day that you were born, that we were born, you know, the enemy has been out to destroy us. And we as humans are already a threat to the enemy from the day we were conceived, you know, because God created us. You know that Satan knows the calling, the gifts, the authority, and the potential that we have in Christ. He knows that we are Christ's creation, that we are created in his image, and that we have authority. Um, and I want to read 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, which says, For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war against the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but mighty in God. For it's the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down of arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So if I look at the scripture, what it really says is that, you know, we are fighting a spiritual battle. And it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against what the enemy wants to do um, and how the enemy goes about doing it. And, you know, one of the biggest strategies of the enemy is to deceive us through lies and doubt. If you just sit and think back of the Garden of Eden, you know how Satan came in, in the form of a snake and he deceived Adam and Eve. You know that the devil is called the father of lies. And I just want to confirm that in John 8, 44, that says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And I want to say that again. There is no truth in the enemy, in Satan. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, if we see the enemy, the enemy is one of the biggest strategies is to lie and sow doubt. And that's going back to the Garden of Eden. 
But then Jesus comes and he comes to redeem us from this earth um, through the cross and he gives us his spirit. And isn't it so significant because the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. And, um, you know, because the biggest spiritual battle we face as Christians, if you really think about it, some people will say good and evil, but we can also see it as between deception and lies from the enemy versus God's truth. So let's leave it at that. And I want to come back after the short break with what is the enemy's plan. Your daily companion, Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Welcome back to Body Matters. You're with Alana Willifier. And my topic today is basically what are the lies that are keeping you from drawing near to God? And I just chatted previously before this break about what is the enemy's plan? And one of the strategies of the enemy is lies. He's called the father of lies. So we've got on the one hand, the father of lies. and the other hand, we've got the spirit of truth. So those of us who have the spirit of truth in us, God's truth is able to identify the lies of the enemy. So let's look at the enemy's plan. The first thing the enemy will try and do is to keep us from getting saved. Because without the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are deceived and there is no truth within us. You know that deception keeps us powerless against the enemy. You know, in Christ, we are more powerful than the enemy and we have authority over the principalities of evil. Now, when I mentioned earlier on, I said our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of evil. So it's a spiritual battle. See, many people are saved, but they don't know how to operate in their authority because we are ignorant of the benefits that come with being a Christian. You know, some people never bother to read the Bible. And I always say the Bible is our manual. While we are living on this earth, um, you know, we live, and, and if we've given our life to the Lord, we live according to the kingdom of God. We live in the kingdom of God according to his kingdom principles. And how can we live in God's kingdom and not know what the kingdom is about, not know what our authority is, not know, um, you know, what, our, what the benefits are? And the only way we're going to know is the Bible. And I always say the Bible is the manual, which is the constitution of heaven on earth. And it's the kingdom constitution. So without the knowledge of the constitution, which is the Bible, we cannot be effective in exercising our rights or authority on this earth. And I want to read Hosea 4, 6, which confirms that says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected knowledge, and I also reject you as priests because you ignore the law of God, I also will ignore your children. Okay, so that, that first part says, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. Now, the knowledge that we find, the wisdom that we find, is through the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God. Now, we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us and help us. But we also need the word of God to know what is our authority against the schemes and the plans of the enemy. So let's look at ways in which the enemy will try and keep us in the dark. 
You know, the enemy wants to keep us ignorant of our royal identity. You know that we are called a royal priesthood because we belong, we are children of the king. We belong to Jesus. We belong to God. You know that our identities are rooted in who we belong to, which gives us a sense of belonging and acceptance, which establishes our self-worth. The attack from the enemy is normally to establish a root of rejection in our lives, causing us to feel and operate like orphan spirits. You know, some of us belong to Jesus, but we still operate as if we we don't belong anywhere. And that is one of the plans of the enemy. He wants to redirect us from our identity in Christ. And that is that we are the children of the living God and we were created by him and for him. You see, the Lord has made us to fellowship with him. We were created with purpose. And because of him, we are highly favored. We are the children of the king. And in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, once we are saved, the enemy will do everything possible to prevent us from maturing and walking in our God-given purpose and calling, because the mandate of all Christians is to destroy the kingdom of darkness, reclaiming the authority we lost in the Garden of Eden, and to bring God's rule and reign on the earth. So, firstly, as I said, he will try and keep you from getting saved. Secondly, when you are saved, you will try and stagnate your growth, keep you ignorant of your authority um, and your purpose. And the enemy will sow doubt. He'll always sow doubt like he did in the Garden of Eden. He would say, did God really say that? So one of his purpose is to create division between us and Father God. You know, doubt that we are not good or worthy enough to receive the Father's love. You know, the enemy will entice us with, with feelings of guilt, fear and shame to produce a sense of worthlessness within us. He wants us to feel so worthless and so messed up that we would think that God would never approve of us or want us or use us or even love us. Um, you know, this just reminds me of a, a friend of mine and one day I was just chatting to her and I know that she wasn't saved. And I said, but you know, why don't you give your life to the Lord? And she said, no, I've given up on that. And I said, why? And she said to me, you know what? Because I, I, I'm so, you know, God, I'm so bad. I'm such a bad person. I did so many bad things in my life. God wouldn't want me. I mean, there's no chance. And I said to you, you know what? That is one of the biggest, biggest lies that the enemy can tell you. And um, and I said to her, to her, you know, you can turn while you've got breath in you. God came to save you, not to condemn you. You can turn to him anytime. And you see, that is what the enemy does. He wants us to feel so worthless, so filthy because of our sin, because of things we've done that we we don't really want to, um, you know, be part of God's, we, we don't want to be in his presence. Just just think about it for a second. When Adam and Eve, when they sinned and they knew they sinned, they hid from God, they didn't want to be 
in his presence, they, they hid from him. And isn't it so true for us sometimes, even when we fail God, that we don't want to spend time in his word. We don't want to draw near to him. We don't want to pray. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, you know what? God doesn't even love us. He doesn't want us. But that is not the truth. That is one of the biggest lies from the enemy. You know, the, the enemy will do anything to keep us from having an intimate relationship with God. And he will cause us to have a false perception of the nature of Christ. You know how many people don't believe that God is good? They believe God is, they, be, they put it this way, they they, they know God is good, but they don't believe God is good. You see, the truth is that we can't earn God's love or favor. You know, nothing that we do, you know, we're all failures. Nothing that we do um, will allow God to push us away, you know, because his love is unconditional. You know, the biggest lie most Christians believe, as I said, is God is not really good. And he only loves you when you are good, when you're reading your Bible, when you're praying. And that goes back into works. And that is based on conditional love. If I do this, God will love me. But the lie has caused many of us to have a false perception of God. You know, some people say, um, you know, if we get sick, we think that God is punishing us or we did something wrong. You know, we confuse um God with we confuse we are confused with good and evil and I know Bill Johnson once said God is good the devil is evil you know God never came to judge the world but he came to save us from the kingdom of darkness you know the enemy also uses one of the strategies that the enemy uses is people he uses people around us to hurt us and most of us our hurts and insecurities come from childhood. You know, those of you who have maybe dealt with a bit of inner healing as I've done, you will realize that, um, you know, most of the lies um, come from childhood or things that has been done to you through people or things that people might have said to you. Um, and just to give you, you an example, um, I remember when I was in primary school um, and we went on a road trip and I was laughing. I had all my friends. It was a whole class, boys, girls together. And I remember sitting with my friends and we were just laughing about things. And one of the boys looked at me and he was laughing. And I eventually looked at him and I said, well, why are you laughing at me? And he says, I'm laughing at you because you laugh funny. And you know what? That was so in my subconscious that I never really laughed for many years afterwards. And I, I didn't even know why I didn't laugh. Someone said to me, you know, I've never heard you laugh out loud. And only in my adult word, um, I remember asking the Holy Spirit, but Holy Spirit, why? Why don't I laugh? And took, he took me back to that time where that boy said that. And I had to forgive him. And my, my laughter was restored. So how many of us have been hurt by people? things that people have said to us, you know, even trauma that is in our lives, maybe a car accident, maybe, you know, we've been in situations where we were fearful and all of that causes so many insecurities and, and things that we store in our subconscious, even things that we're unaware of. And, um, you know, how powerful negative words are that are spoken over our lives. That's the enemy. He uses people to curse us and to do things to us that 
cause us to um, feel hurt and rejected and, um, you know, have a, a negative self-worth. And you know what the enemy loves to do? You'll often use people to reaffirm a lie. You know, once that the enemy comes and he lies to you, say for instance, he says, you know, you're not good enough. Then you might be in a situation where someone might say something that might just seem like it will make you feel like you're not good enough. And the enemy says, see, you're actually not good enough. And how many times do we, um, you know, play things over and over in our heads? The lies that we believe. You know, when a lie becomes a part of our belief system, when when people reaffirm a lie or when the enemy reaffirms a lie and we we eventually start believing that lie and that lie can become a truth in our lives and when a lie becomes part of our a, a truth that becomes part of our belief system and that is called a stronghold you know strongholds affect the way we perceive ourselves and the world around us when we are hurt or abused as children or even in our adult life we build a sense of identity around our experiences which manifest in many behavioral issues like addictions sexual sin fear and many other things and we will eventually act and filter life through our distorted paradigm. You know that these behavioral patterns enslave and bound us to the kingdom of darkness. And even as Christians, you know, we still have things that we still need to deal with sometimes in our own lives. And that is why if, if we think about Jesus, he came to set the captives free. He came to set us free from from the lies, from the things that has been done to us. And his heart is to heal us. But the enemy will use people to hurt us. And he will reaffirm lies so that once we believe that, we won't draw near to God. And we won't live that life and life in abundance. If I look at Isaiah 61 verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed, qualified me to preach the gospel of the good news, to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. Who is this? This is Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord was the Spirit of God was upon Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, to set us free, to set us free from the lies of the enemy, because lies enslave us to the kingdom of darkness. But God's purpose is to set us free. You know that the enemy will continue to tempt us. It says that the enemy is continuously at work um, in the areas, even weaknesses. Some of us have weaknesses in our lives. And you know what? The enemy will always set us up for destruction. You will put in temptation. like um, It's like putting out bait, hoping that we'll take it in a moment of weakness. You know, many of you might, or some of you might be struggling with an addiction. And you know what? Once you're trying to be, once you are trying to be set free, the enemy will always come and lure you, put bait out for you to see if he could keep you in bondage. And you know what? We've got everything in Christ Jesus so that we could overcome any form of temptation. You know, the enemy will find any open doors of sin in our lives to gain legal access to our souls. 
you know, he will even use the sins of our forefathers, which is called generational curses, that will filter through from one generation to another. You see, Satan is called, as I said, the accuser of the brethren. You know, if you've got un, unconfessed sin in your life, things that you've never told anybody, things that you're hiding, you know, the, the devil will have a hold over you in those areas if you don't bring it to the light. And he will continuously hold that, um, accuse you of that in, in the, the courts of heaven. Um, Revelation 12.10 says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven. Now have come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down who accuses them before God day and night. You know, the devil is continually pointing out our faults to God, pleading with God that, that he could take us, that he could use us and that we are not good enough. But Jesus is our advocate. You know, you know, Jesus is our intercessor and he's trying, he's praying for us. He's defending us. Um, you know, he is, he's, a, he's our advocate. Um, and he's there for us. In 1 John 2, 11 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate who does plead our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. So what I'm really trying to say is there are many things in our lives that the enemy really wants to he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us. And there's many things he, and bait he will put out and things that he will do to keep us in bondage. And those things are often the things that keeps us from entering God's presence. So I want to talk about turning back to God. I don't know where you are in your life at the moment. Maybe you have backslidden from God. Um, maybe you haven't even accepted Jesus. Or you feel so um, in, um, discouraged at the moment. So I just want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, just to turn back to him. No matter whether you're struggling with an addiction, whether you are in the middle of sin, just go to him. You don't have to be clean. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to be good to go to him. You know what? That none of us in our own strength, can make ourselves presentable to God. Only He can do that. So whatever it may be that is keeping you from God and entering His presence, most of the time, as I said, it's a lie and a trap from the enemy to keep you from all that God has for you. So let's just recap on some of the lies that the enemy will plant in our thoughts to keep us captive. You know, the enemy may plant thoughts that you're not good enough for God. And in order to be in his presence, you need to be good. You know, sometimes even our own sins keep us from entering his presence because we feel ashamed like Adam and Eve. And we also want to hide. Or we may even feel like the Lord is going to tell us something we don't want to hear or judge us or punish us for something that we've done wrong. And what is the truth? Is God like that? No, he's not. It says the Lord is gracious. He's a gracious God. And in John 3, 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world that he might judge the world, 
but that the world might be saved. For I did not come to judge, but to save. So while we have breath in us, while we still have the opportunity to turn to God, you know, we can turn to him anytime. You know, being alive is a gift because we still fall under his grace. But the minute we die, we fall under his judgment. You see, the minute you die, you can't do anything about your life if you haven't given it to the Lord. But you will fall under God's judgment the minute that you do. You see, we are all sinners. None of us are perfect or innocent before the Lord. And in Mark ten eighteen it says, And Jesus said unto him, No one is good, but only one, and that is God. You see, we are not good. In our own strength, we'll never be good. You see, none of us deserve the Lord's grace or mercy. It's only because he decided to pay the price for our sins that we are exempt of the punishment that was due to us. And in Romans 3, 23 to 26, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, the Lord does not love us for what we do, but for who we are in him. So I can just come back to a story, just just share with you briefly. And I know I've shared this so many times where I also spoke to someone. I said, why don't you give your life to the Lord? And this person said, you know what, then I'm going to have to change my whole lifestyle. And I said, why? God is not interested in what you do. God is interested in who you believe in. Do you believe in him? You see, it's not about works. And as Christians, nothing that we do can separate us from him. You know, in Romans 8, 38, it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, neither the powers of hell can separate us from, the, from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus our Lord. So nothing you and I have done, will do, no matter how bad, will, co- will cause God to love us less. You know, God is a God that loves us unconditionally. He wouldn't come and die on the cross if it wasn't for his unconditional love for us. You know, if he, if he wanted us to perform then he would left, would have left the law in place because then we could just go according to the law. But God is a gracious God. You know, he loves us so much. God's arms are wide open. You know, he gives us an ongoing invitation to enter his presence, irrespective of our sins or our guilt. And he says, come, come, just as you are. You know, when the when Jesus was on earth and he went to go find his, his disciples, he, when he chose them, none of them were good. He never said, go and wash yourself, go and clean up your mess, go and make right. Then you can follow me. He said, no, just leave everything and come follow me. So Jesus is saying to you today, I won't disappoint you. Just come. 
In Hebrews 4.16, the Lord says, Come boldly before the throne of grace that you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. You know, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown to someone who deserves to be punished. But his invitation to you and me is to come boldly with all our issues, with our sins. He's saying, just come, just come. God loves us, you know. God will do the work in us. You know, he never said that we can clean ourselves or make ourselves righteous. No, God will do the work in us when we commit our lives to him. In our own strength and human capacity, we can't change anything about ourselves or we cannot even overcome our own sinful ways. Even as Christians, we tend to shy away from the Lord, as I said, when we have sinned. But Romans 8.1 says, There is for now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And in Romans 1.17 it says, So in Christ our sins are forgiven, and there is no condemnation before God. So is the sinner who is in Christ. He says, the sinner who is in Christ. Not only that, but God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in, in Christ Jesus. You see, we need to understand that as Christians, that Jesus has already paid the price for all our sins. This doesn't mean that we won't sin again, but that we have a continuous forgiveness from him. You see, our responsibility as Christians is to walk in repentance. The minute we mess up, we can ask God to forgive us of our sins. We don't have to run away from him. We don't have to feel ashamed or guilty. We can come to him, we can confess our sins, and we and, and God says he will forgive us. When we repent, the Lord says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and he says he remembers it no longer. And you know what, that is so beautiful, because he remembers it no longer. How many times do we ask God to forgive us of our sins? But then we replay that thing over and over in our minds and we, we angry with ourselves. How could we have done it? We feel guilty. And, and you know what? The devil just keeps us going on and on and on through this vicious circle. But God says he doesn't remember it any longer. And you know, it's the enemy that reminds us of our sins all the time because he wants to keep us at a place of feeling guilty. And when we feel guilty, you know how hard it is to sit in God's presence? And just coming back to that where you know that God is love. And when we read Corinthians 13, one of, of the things of love is that love keeps no record of wrong. And you know that God is love and he keeps no record of wrong. Isn't that beautiful? You know, even when we fall into the same sin, you know, sometimes we we sin and we say, oh, Lord, forgive us of our sins. And then tomorrow we do exactly the same thing and we, we mess up again. But you know what? There's ongoing forgiveness. Just keep on repenting and ask the Holy Spirit, if that is you, to help you to overcome that sin. 
But don't pull away from God. Draw near to Him. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. No matter how much you fail, no matter how much you think you fail, God, the, the word in, in Psalm 37 verse 24 says, Though he falls, and this is me and you, we all fall all the time, he shall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You see, the Lord is ready to help us out of our situations. He is the ultimate father. You know, as parents, just think about it. I'm a parent and you might be a parent. If your children disappoint you or they sin or they go off track, you still love them, don't you? You continuously love them and you will do everything in your power to help them to get back on track. You won't um, cast them aside. And Father God is the same. If we love our children, how much more does he not love us? Um, as Heavenly Father, because He is love. And yeah, so the Lord even says that every morning His mercy is fresh upon us. You know that yesterday's sins are forgotten, and He sees every day as new. And that is in Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. And it says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassion fails not, they are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. God is a good God. He does not hold grudges against us. He does this so that you and I will not feel condemned or guilty. So that we can run to him and not from him. You know, if we think about it if you've read your Bible and you read in all those chapters about David and Abraham, you know they all failed God, but God still used them mightily. But he, they, he even says that David, um, who, who I mean, David murdered, he committed adultery, he did so many things, but God still said that David was a man after his own heart. So today, I want to say, no matter where you are caught in what you are doing, God loves you. He loves you. Draw near to Him. Sit at His feet. In your sin, in your filth, whatever it is, surrender because you can't do anything about it. Only He can do something about it. Keep running towards Him and not away from Him. He is greater than your sins. God is greater than your sins. And Psalm 34.22 says, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So let go of the guilt and know that God is merciful. His arms are always wide open to receive us. Come to him just the way you are. So let's just take a short break and then we'll We'll come back on the same topic of the enemy. What does the enemy do to keep us from God's presence? Here at Radio K Pulpit, we love receiving your messages via WhatsApp and SMS, so don't stop sending them. But what about those of you that prefer using Telegram? Well, that's no problem because we have Telegram too. If you've got Telegram, 
go ahead and use it. And if you don't, you can visit your favorite app store and download the app with the white paper airplane icon. And the number? The same as the one you've always used. 081-7291657. 081-7291657. Radio K Pulpit. Now also using Telegram. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in now, you're with Alana Willyfree and this is Body Matters. And today my topic was, what are the lies that are keeping you from turning to God, or keeping you away from God? And I chatted about many things about how the enemy lies to us and how you will keep us from God in so many ways. You'll keep us in the dark through our, um, you know, keeping us ignorant of our identities in Christ. You know, you will keep us from maturing in Christ, from walking in our purpose. Um, you know, you will so doubt that God is not good um, and that we are not good enough for God. And how the enemy will use people to hurt us and how he often reaffirms a lie in our lives to keep us in bondage. And that the enemy will always tempt us. He will always tempt us, no matter where or what. He will find means and ways, any open door, to enter and have legal right into our lives. But praise God, we've got, even though the enemy is called the father of lies, Jesus came and he left his Holy Spirit with us, his spirit, God's spirit. And the spirit of God is called the spirit of truth. And, you know, um, it's only through God's truth that we can be set free. You know, the enemy wants us physically and spiritually dead. But without God's spirit in our lives, we are, we are spiritually dead. It is the spirit of God that gives us life, eternal life. You know, God is spirit. And without God's spirit, we are powerless against the enemy and bound to the kingdom of darkness without hope of eternal life. And the spirit of death, there is a spirit of death that's operating on this earth today. And because of the fall of man, we are exposed to the spirit of death. And the evidence of spiritual death is sickness, disease, aging, uh, mental deterioration. You know, we were never meant to get old or die, but because it was it wasn't God's original plan for us, but God's plan was us for us to live and to live a, a life in abundance, and that is why Jesus came to overcome death. And I just want to end off because I'm nearly at the end of this program, and I want to read Corinthians fifteen fifty five to fifty eight that says, "Oh death." Where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We may experience death in this life, but our reward is eternal life with Father God, because the Spirit of God inside of us never dies. And I just want to end off again with John 10, 10 that says, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I came that you may have life and life in the fullest. So I want to pray for you today. Maybe you've listened to this message and you can identify things in your life where the enemy has lied to you or kept you back. Or maybe you're at a place where you've you know, you're caught up in sin and you just don't know how to get out of it and you feel 
embarrassed or guilty or, you know, you, you're filled with shame. And it's really hard for you to get back to God. And I just want to pray for you today that no matter where you are, well, and I always say this, while you've got life, while you're alive, while you've got breath in you, God's arms are open wide. Turn to him. So, Father God, I pray for every listener out here today that's listening to my voice. Thank you, Lord. No matter where they are, you know their situation. You, you created them, Father. You know the things they are battling with, the things that they are struggling with. Father, that is keeping them from entering your presence. Father, today I pray that you will touch their hearts that they will know that you're a good father, that they will not just know it, but that they will believe it, that you said your grace and mercy is fresh upon us every day, and your words has come boldly before my throne of grace and obtain mercy, that we can come boldly to you, Father, in our sins, in our weaknesses, that we can turn to you no matter, no matter how, Lord, how far gone we are. Father, thank you for that person today, that they can draw near to you, that you are there for them, Father, and that you rejoice, Father, if they turn to you. And Lord, thank you. Bless them today. Fill them with your unconditional love. And for those of you who feel like you, you just want to recommit your life to the Lord, just pray after me. Father God, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean with your blood. Be my Lord and God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, your Spirit of truth. Guide me and help me. I surrender my life to you today. Be Lord and God over my life. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, I believe that you are born again. I believe that today is the day of your salvation. And today is a new slate, a new beginning. And just praise God, wherever you are, just praise God and say, thank you, Lord, thank you that my sins are forgiven. And God wants to give you life and life in abundance. So I hope that this word has encouraged you. And um, if it has, you can always go to Radio Care Pulpit's WhatsApp line. You can just um, go onto our webpage site, um, write a comment, um, anything that you want to. Um, that would be great to hear from you. Otherwise, I will chat to you again next Saturday at the same time. From me, Alana Williview, have a blessed and beautiful week. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.